There was a, a journey of, of rediscovery of like, well, why am I even doing this? I just feel, you know, we kind of plateaued at a certain volume and things were going well. And the business, you know, had been organized well enough to run without me somewhat. I was still in, was still there. I didn't completely check out, but my heart wasn't in it. And uh, um, it was, uh, you know, that midlife crisis time. And it was not fun, but, but looking back, I think it was very necessary. Welcome to the Small Business Storyteller Show, the podcast designed to learn from the successes and the failures of small businesses making an impact. My name is Seth Silvers, and after four years of helping small businesses learn to market with stories, I've learned that someone might be selling something similar to you, but nobody, absolutely no one, can compete with your stories. This show is dedicated to diving into the one thing that makes every small business unique, their story, and learning from the good and the hard parts. If you see business as a tool for good and you want to learn from others who believe the same, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Small Business Storyteller Show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Small Business Storyteller Show. I am super excited about today's episode because I get to share with you a story that I, as a business owner, was truly moved by. Uh, we are diving into the story today of Moses Horner and Horner painting, and you'll hear more about his story and some of the highs and lows, but what I love about him and what I was inspired by is for the last 20 years, Moses has just done a really good job and just done really great work. There hasn't been anything extravagant. There hasn't been a massive cash injection of VC funds or anything like that. I know that's not bad, but Moses has simply done really good work and served his clients really, really well. And his story shows that that pays off over time. And I think that is so valuable. So let's dive into the story. I know that everybody listening will be encouraged and inspired by the story of Moses Warner. So let's go ahead and dive in. I hope you enjoy it. To start off, Moses, just give us some context for what your life looks like um, right now and tell us a little bit about what you do and then we'll kind of dive more into your story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm a painting contractor in, uh, in Northern Colorado and um, have a great team and just feel feel really blessed that uh, we'll be celebrating 20 years in business next year so that's kind of exciting and um, crazy to look back and say wow if you do something for 20 years continuously with intention um, and uh, purpose it, it tends to grow and um, it kind of uh, blows my mind a little bit that I'm I pinch myself I'm like what how did this what <laughs> um, who I don't know so um, but it's been a fun journey and I've learned a ton along the way and, um, uh, yeah, that's, uh, love that. I, I, I like that because one, most businesses don't hit 20 years and your business has just kind of had like consistent steady growth from doing the right thing. I know that not everything always goes well, but I think it's easy for business owners to feel like it's going to be this like massive spike once they like hit the rhythm, everything's just going to spike up go let's go backwards for a few minutes and share with us like how did you get to where you are today and you know 20 years ago why did you start painting yeah sure sure 
Um, so out of high school, I uh, started with my father's uh, construction company. My older brother and dad were in business together, and uh, it was a uh, kind of an, an easy, natural thing to fall into. Um, school was never really my, my forte. I was in the, the Barely Making It Club, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I passed and I graduated, and, and, um, but, but school was definitely not, you know, something that I enjoyed. I liked the hands-on. Um, hands-on learning, hands-on uh, approach to, to life. And uh, so, yeah, my, my dad was very uh, generous, paid me well, and, uh, and it was a, an easy thing uh, to, to go into. I also was married at 19, fresh out of high school, to my high school sweetheart, and uh, we're actually celebrating 25 years this year. That's amazing. And uh, I have a 20-year-old daughter and a 22-year-old son. Um, and... Uh, um, so yeah, out of high school, worked for my dad uh, and with my dad and brother for five years. We worked for a very specific company um, in Omaha uh, for that five-year period, and, and we had to travel quite a bit. Hmm. And then uh, we did a job in town that was a, a year-long project. We both had young kids, my, my older brother and me. A job in Omaha? Or a in jo- yeah, a job in Omaha. Okay. So we weren't traveling for that year. And as that job was coming to a close, we... Uh, uh, kind of just had a family meeting a a company meeting and said boy this traveling sucks let's Hmm. let's figure out something um to do locally but if we were going to do something locally in omaha that was going to involve reinventing ourselves because we didn't have our name established in the community so we all talked about it and decided let's let's move to the northern colorado area let's move to colorado for all the things that are colorado Mm -hmm. and so we did we moved here and uh started uh, a construction business here uh, locally, and um, uh, I was maybe 24 at the time, and uh, a year into that, um, my dad came to me and, you know, basically said, "You're you're not pulling your weight. Um, we're paying you as a partner, but, you know, this is a, a really small startup uh, construction company, and and there just isn't room for three partners unless I'm truly pulling my weight as a partner." Um, and so he fired me. Um, and I say fired me. He helped me get started with um, a, a local builder um, as a painting contractor. We kind of, mm-hmm. I kind of talked with him, and, and we had done general construction, so we, I had a, a fair knowledge, a fair amount of knowledge within the the painting industry. And um, yeah, he gave me a two week notice, which was certainly generous. Um, and then uh, I started Horner Painting. Um, I swore I'd never have employees. You can't trust them. They won't do it as good mm. as me. They won't do it right. And then uh, I filled nail holes for eight hours straight with my finger and realized that this was a, this is a task that I could train someone else to do. And that kind of started me down the road of, uh, and the reality of I, I need to hire people or I can hire people to do some of the task. And that hmm. grew over time to, uh, you know, developing the, the products and the systems and the procedures that I thought produced a consistent Result and, and a great quality of, of workmanship um, that I could be uh, proud of, and that uh, also coming to the realization that although I thought I was the best painter in the world, there's actually a lot of really great painters in the world, and uh, training and teaming up with some of those individuals um, was possible. So hmm. the beginning was 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 very difficult. Um, uh, a lot of a lot of turnover, a lot of employee turnover, and. Um, you know, listened to a lot of books on tape, talked to a lot of people, and uh, um, started to develop um, 
you know, those systems of, of training people and trusting people. Right. And, and realize that if you, if you hire great people, um, uh, they'll do as good or probably even better painting than hmm. I did. So it's been about, um, oh, five or six years since I've, you know, been in the field painting every day. And uh, in addition to adding an employee or two over that 20-year period every year, um, we, we started uh, developing a, a, a management team. It got to a point where I couldn't return all the phone calls in a day. I couldn't get to all the emails in a day. Right. And um, uh, I, I reached out to a former employee that had taken a leave of absence uh, to have her first child. Um, so she was, I knew her as a great individual and a good painter and just a really uh, quality person. And I reached out to her and said, hey, what, what are you currently doing? Would you be interested in, in coming and kind of working as an assistant or a, um, you know, just someone to help? Um, so that was huge. And uh, um, she uh, uh, grew in that position all the way up to a project manager. And um, uh, so, yeah, we've, we've over the last um, several years, we've, we've kind of grown into more of a, f a full functioning company, not just a, uh, me as a painting contractor, but the business became um, something that I'm trying to work on, not just work in. Right. And uh, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been different. Um, you know, I, I actually do enjoy, you know, the application of and the, the process of painting, um, but I also enjoy developing people and um, training them, coaching them. And uh, seeing their um, their skill sets developed um, is is to me just as as fun as you know finishing a house and looking at it and saying wow this is this is a really amazing space for someone to live in and it's done really well mm -hmm. and they're gonna enjoy this home for a long time. That's awesome. Uh, pa so painting is in is interesting because I know there's so much variety in the like creative the more like artistic painting like mm -hmm. when people paint a mural or a painting that goes in a room obviously it can be done so differently by different people yeah. um there's the assumption i would say by non-painters that you know you can paint a house i can paint a house it's gonna look the same how do you do how do you differentiate yourself in like looking over 20 years how has horner painting been unique how have you been able to like set yourself apart from other people that can offer to paint their houses or from you know husbands that want to paint their houses on their own ladders or whatnot sure. yeah i, I uh, when i was uh, before i, mean, I have a full-time salesman now but there was a time when i was wearing that hat as most entrepreneurs do you mm -hmm. kind of tend to to wear the hat uh, all the hats until the business gets to a size where you can you know train or pass off that uh, responsibility delegate it and um yeah, when someone would ask, well, why, why should I choose Horner Painting? What's different about Horner Painting? Um, and uh, the, the difference is, um, I think, stems from our core values. Uh, people matter, integrity always, and uh, community driven. Hmm. And uh, when I say people matters, or people matter, um, what, I, what I mean is our team. Our customers are not number one, our team is. And I think that's been something that's been uh, very valuable for for our success we have great retainage in a in an industry that has a lot of turnover we have a lot of long-term employees and when you uh, operate from the frame of mind that your team or your painters or your employees are the most valuable asset and the most important thing in your business um, your customers are easily taken care of and the, and the business operates from a much better 
uh, foundation. Uh, people feel valued, people feel taken care of, um, and uh, that, that's a very important thing. Um, integrity always to Horner Painting means that in any situation, whether it's a, um, uh, with one of my employees or a customer or a contractor, I need to, to listen first and understand the other person's perspective before I can have integrity and reply to or solve that problem or, right. or attack that uh, confrontation. Um, so I really try to, uh, not just for me, but for my whole team, mm -hmm. team leads or supervisors, project managers, um, they need to take that, uh, listen to understand first before you can you know, adequately uh, attack a, a confrontation or, or resolve a problem. And then community driven, uh, I just, I love Northern Colorado. Um, and we're commonly ranked the top places to live, but I, I believe it. It's just an amazing place right. um, where uh, um, uh, collaboration happens. And, um, you know, I, I, I meet with other painting contractors that are direct competitors of mine, and we try to help each other um, rather than this, you know, cutthroat, uh, try to get ahead type scenario. So um, uh, community driven, we definitely give back to the community and uh, give back to nonprofits and charitable organizations in the area. Um, but all decisions that we make, um, we try to look through the lens of, does this improve the community? Does this improve our community? And if it does, then it's probably the right decision and it'll, it'll have uh, longstanding um, uh, benefits or consequences. Hmm. I love that. People matter. Integrity, Integri always. Integrity always and community driven. Have those been your driving core values for 20 years? And if not, kind of talk, to, like, tell me what spurred you to real, to like really focus in on those three core values over the years. Sure. Sure. Um, the, I mean, they, the, I think they were always there. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, as the business grew and my, uh, um, uh, company grew, it became, you know, more evident to be more organized, to have a mission statement, to have core values made a bigger difference. So, you know, it, that is something that we've uh, developed, you know, in writing uh, and, 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 you know, uh, thought about and, and reflected on over the last, you know, five years or so as we've been, as I've been working on the business, not necessarily in the business. I mean, you get, you get flooded by the day to day and it can be really difficult to take that time away and to think, well, well why am I doing this? W mm -hmm. What's the purpose? Because um, uh, I, I fell into the, the trap of, of I'm just a, I'm just a, a worthless painter. Like I'm, I don't have much purpose. There's no meaning to what I do. Um, but when you reflect through the lens of your core values, you really start to see that um, you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a minister. You don't have to be a, you know, we're in the articulate and it's a amazing creative space with all these awesome, um, you know, artistic people. But I can be a painter and be really proud mm -hmm. of what I do and what I do for the community. I'm a valuable part of the fabric of what makes um, my community great. And in that, I've, I've found, um, you know, some additional meaning and purpose that, that I really needed. I got, you know, to a point in my building of the business where that was kind of the purpose. It was, I'm just, I'm just going day to day. I'm just building this thing. I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm just doing it. Hmm. Um, so it's been a, a good season uh, here over the last five years or so to, uh, to spend some time reflecting on that and, and uh, um, really just self-discovery of, of why I'm doing it. That's great. Uh, we've talked some outside of this interview just about this last 
year kind of being a journey of diving deeper into that why and deeper into that purpose. Um, give me some perspective and our listeners some perspective on just as a business owner over 20 years, growing business, um, you know, are, were there some key days where you're looking in the mirror and really trying to figure out like, okay, this is great, but what, what's the bigger purpose behind this business? And just what's that journey been like for you of really identifying? Cause I mean, you, you know, that Horner painting, it's making an impact and it is a thriving business and it's changing lives, but really let us see into that journey a little bit as a business owner of figuring out the why or the purpose behind a business. Um, about five or so years ago, um, I found myself very bored, um, somewhat depressed. Uh, my kids, you know, left the nest. They're, they're out of the house. Um, I have this great business, um, an amazing marriage. My kids tell me they love me and over the phone in front of their friends. Um, and I found myself feeling empty. And I'm like, wow, I have this amazing business that's going well. And producing a, a, a profit and allowing me to have a great income and uh, uh, I have everything going for me why do I feel um, empty or, or, or what, why do I have no purpose and uh, for the um, 15 years or so leading up to that my, my purpose was my family um, and so the work that I did was to supply an income and to support that family and that was very, very meaningful. And when I found my kids not needing me like they used to, which is natural and normal and totally healthy, um, but it felt really empty. Hmm. And so there was a, a journey of, of rediscovery of like, well, why am I even doing this? I just feel, you know, we kind of plateaued at a certain volume and things were going well. And even when I was somewhat disengaged, the business, you know, had been organized well enough to run without me somewhat. Right. And I was still in, was still there. I didn't completely check out, but my heart wasn't in it. And uh, um, it was, uh, you know, that midlife crisis time. And it was not fun and not, uh, uh, not uh, some dark years. Um, but, but looking back, I think it was very necessary. Um, I'm, I'm, I think on the tail end of that, um, I, I don't have a 100% clarity and, and mm -hmm. maybe I never will. Um, but um, certainly uh, looking at things in, a, in, a, in a, a deeper level, you know, what's my why, what's my purpose, um, and, uh, and giving some reflection on that um, has been something that uh, um, ha has brought a great amount of, of uh, clarity um, over the last uh, several years. And then even over the last year, um, you know, I set some goals in 2000 for 2018 in the beginning, and it was, you know, these huge growth goals, and and uh, and and then I I got you know halfway through the year, and it wasn't quite ringing true, and then um, uh, the the latest uh, we, we had a meeting today with with Loco Think Tank, and um, one of the questions was, what was your biggest takeaway from 2018? What have you learned? And what I've learned is that I I just need to be me. Um, there are a lot of really great entrepreneurs um, uh, in uh, northern Colorado. There's a lot of great people doing a lot of great things that I can tend to focus on someone else's greatness and, and not realize that I'm doing something great here too. Hmm. Um, so I can't be them and, and they can't be me. 
And so um, having some uh, introspection and, uh, and looking at my past to say what's been successful, where have I found uh, traction, where have I found purpose in the past, and then um, you know, putting that through the lens of the future and saying, well, what would that look like then in the future? And, and that's where I've had success. You know, stay in my own backyard. I don't, I don't need to be someone else. I don't have to be hmm. um, uh, a, 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 a different entrepreneur. I'm, I'm me. And so um, what's been successful in the past is going to be successful in the future. And I can tweak those things, but it's a fairly big ship and, and needs to be, um, you know, I can't just do a U-turn or, or go a whole new direction. I need to um, trust what what's worked so far and uh, sort of double down on those um, thoughts and procedures and and motivations and and that's really where I've gotten the most traction here lately I, I've never grown uh, you know exponentially you hear of all these startup companies that are just you know taken off like a rocket and that's amazing super uh, great to see but um, for me it's always been a steady reliable um, you know, reliability is not a sexy word, but it's been what has made Horner Painting successful. Hmm. Um, as we do what we say, we show up when we're supposed to show up. Um, you know, if there's something that isn't right, we make it right. And those aren't, you know, those are kind of old school or kind of traditional uh, values that for a while I thought, you know, man, that's just, I mean, it's not cool enough. It's not um, entertaining enough. But, right. Um, you know, it's 20 years next year, it's a, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I, I really love what you said because uh, I think in the last 10 years or so, the concept of knowing your why has definitely become more um, more popularized, I guess. I feel like there's certain, uh, certain businesses that have been really famous because of their purpose behind their business or whatnot. And so it's, you know, whether it's books or whatnot, it's became like a popular and almost a necessary thing to like know your why. And I feel like it's often this, uh, it's almost looked at as this like singular point. Like you need to like know and be able to articulate your why. And we almost discount that it's probably like a pretty significant journey to like figuring that out. And I almost think we talk to business owners on the front end of their business, like, okay, you gotta know, you gotta know exactly what your why is before. And some people do, but I think a lot of people, it's probably a journey of figuring that out. Yeah, years, and uh, it, it, I'm an impatient person. I want results now. <laughs> I want to see um, the effects immediately, um, and that's you know another um, you know Achilles' heel of of a lot of business owners that you know our society in general. It's a now society, but um, it's not easy. But I think it's it's worthwhile, and and um, and it's it's uh, it takes time, mm-hmm. um, and it isn't something that you do by yourself. It's something that, that you discover, um, you know, by, by meeting with other business owners and talking with other friends and having deeper conversations than, hey, man, how's it going? Good. Okay, good. Well, mm-hmm. I guess that was a good conversation. It does take time. And those, those, those uh, conversations don't happen easily. I mean, everybody's busy and everybody's um, got things to do. And um, so it, it just takes time for those conversations to take place and to, and to think about it and to um, you know, to really discover it. Hmm. Have there been any moments over the last 20 years where you thought about throwing in the towel or felt like maybe, you know, maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't going to be a 20 year company. Yeah. I mean, Oh eight, nine and 10, that big recession, we, we definitely felt it, uh, like everyone else did. And, uh, you know, we're 
in the red so deep it, it was almost time to pull the plug and um, but uh, you know you, you, you keep putting one step in front of one foot in front of the other and um, keep working through things day by day and, and we're, we're super blessed to have made it through that um, uh, you know that deep dark time and uh, and, and we're better for it mm-hmm. um, you know I mean I but up leading up into it I just I thought wow this is amazing I've been in business for eight or so years and it's been nothing but steady growth and steady um, uh, increased profitability and I, I just have no I'm impervious um, so going through those hard times definitely um, you learn a lot about you know how to run your business more effectively and you know to stay away from debt or to uh, um, you know diversify um, I thought repaints were dumb and I didn't want to deal with you know the, the, the retail homeowner market I like the consistency of the the new construction but during 08, 09, and 10, we definitely diversified into the repaints, and it's a great sector of our business now. Uh, we're about half new construction and half repaints, and so, yeah, huh. there, there was some, some great learnings during that, um, during that uh, uh, painful time, and uh, I, I don't want to go through it again, but um, <laughs> I'm glad that we're on the other side of it. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's always going to be, like, pessimists, I feel like, in every culture, but of course... And the further you get away from the last recession, I feel like more and more people are going to say like, oh, it's going to happen tomorrow or it's going to happen in a year or whatnot. And so I'm sure at some point there will be another recession, but I hope it doesn't happen super soon. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> uh, you mentioned like adding new paints and stuff uh, or repaints. Uh, was there any other things that in that time where, I mean, it's a couple years of hard years that you guys did that you feel like helped you not have to pull the plug that helped you make it through? Yeah, I think uh, we, we definitely uh, have uh, made an effort to do what we do well. And, and uh, there's certain aspects of painting that we just don't do. Um, uh, I told you guys earlier before we started the interview, I have a, a friend in town that's a commercial painter and he commonly jokes, I don't know how you do res- residential painting. And I joke back that um, I don't know how you do commercial painting. Um, so again, the whole the whole uh, you know building on um, building on your past and not getting too distracted by the successes of a different business or a uh, a uh, uh, you know looking at someone else as as the grass being greener as to what they're doing, um, but uh, you know staying in our lane um, and and uh, focusing on what we do well and, and delivering mm-hmm. on that has been a, a great success. We don't need to be too diversified. We don't need to be um, involved in every aspect of painting, but we, what we do, we need to do really well. That's awesome. I love, uh, I, I think my favorite aspect of your journey is just that you've made it a priority to do good work and just keep doing good work. And I, I have to believe that in a crazy world where there's a lot of competition in most industries that the best strategy to grow a business is still just to do really good work and care for people really well. And I know there's some more logistics around running a good business than that. You can't just serve people all day. You have to run a successful business and run an efficient business. But I think that, I think people get caught up in like gimmicks and they get caught up in feeling like they're, I don't know, like shiny object syndrome and chasing the new ways to grow a business when at the end of the day, you just got to do good work and you got to keep doing it and that will pay off. Yeah. There's nothing like the, 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 the uh, tried and true principles. And then the simple thing of time, 
Um, you know, it takes time to grow a business. Um, I applaud those businesses that, you know, have that 100% growth year over year. That's amazing. Um, but it's also um, an exception, not the rule. I think there's there's just nothing to putting in your time and, uh, and, and being steady and consistent and reliable. It's, there's, it just, over time, it builds hmm. to an amazing thing. Have you, it, this is a little bit random of a question, but as you've built your team, have you had most of your people as contractors or as employees? Um, up until 08, 09, and 10, we, uh, we were all hourly employees. You know, it was our team. Um, when we diversified into repaints, um, I've um, often said I don't have to be the smartest kid in the room, but I, I should be able to look around and see who is and, uh, and try to learn from those individuals. And uh, there was another uh, uh, local painting company that I, I kind of, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to do repaints. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. Let's, let's, you know, at least look around and see who's doing what and what's successful so I don't have to learn all of the mistakes. And uh, within that, we have a, a subcontractor model. Um, where the, the repaints are performed by uh, long-standing relationships with subcontractors. And it's, it's different, but it's not all that different. I mean, mm -hmm. you still need to value that relationship. You, you know, it's, an, it's a smaller painting company that, that does the work or that you work with to, to, to perform the actual task of painting, and you have the business of marketing and the warranty and the customer service um, that Horner Painting does on the repaint side, but we have had great success with um, involving uh, you know trade partners or, or um, partnering with um, uh, subcontractors and the same rules apply to taking care of your employees that it are, are involved with a relationship with a subcontractor you need to be fair with them hmm. you need to communicate with them you need to value them um, as a team member and if if you do that um, then you get that long-standing relationship where um, you know, it's more than just, um, you know, do the, do, the, do the job for this price. I get my cut, you get your cut, everybody's happy. It's, it becomes more than just money. It becomes mm -hmm. more than just uh, for the income. And uh, um, those type of relationships last a lot longer and, uh, and make for a, a much more steady and uh, a less stressful relationship. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, I think uh, it's... I there's just so it's so popular nowadays to like for companies to grow and only contract out and i feel like a lot of companies are looking at it as almost an excuse to not have to invest as much in their people yeah. and then they wonder why they have really high turnover and they wonder why you know everybody's just switching companies that they contract to and stuff there's just like no loyalty or no longevity um because they're forgetting you still have to care for your people which i guess comes back to your aspect of people people matter yeah, whether it's an employee or a subcontractor relationship, I think uh, tension is healthy. Mm. Um, both parties should feel like, wow, I feel so blessed to have this relationship, whether you're the employee or the employer. And in that, um, both parties are working hard to uh, make the other one um, uh, successful. Um, I want my employees to thrive. I want my subcontractors to thrive not just for my sake so that i can have a more profitable or better business but i i genuinely am cheering for their success as well um and uh i think that's a, a key component to uh you know to having those long-standing relationships that that you build over time mm -hmm. absolutely uh, a few questions at the end you might not be a 
a stage person. You might not be a stage person, which is okay. I'm not going to throw you on a stage in front of... I can't sing. You can't sing. I know that I can't sing. Okay, I'm going to have to re-change the the end of this episode because I was going to have you sing. Sing your last few answers. (laughs) Uh, Just, like, imagine that you're getting the platform to be able to speak to a lot of small business owners, young business owners. Um, what do you think that every business owner needs to know? And are there some things from, from your journey that you just, you wish that business owners knew that would contribute to their success? Wow. That's a great question. Um, what would I tell a young business owner or some keys to, to success? Just be patient, um, you know. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be something that um, you're not going to know all the answers. Um, there's safety in numbers. Um, you can't do it yourself. Um, talk to people that have gone down the path that you're trying to go down, and uh, you can still do it your own way. You can still be your own person, um, but there's just a ton of value in uh, talking with other business owners, talking with having other seasoned business owners in your life, whether that's through a peer mentoring group like Loco Think Tank, or whether that's just, you know, making sure you're networking and and, uh, uh, pursuing the relationships of of people that you admire and want to be like, um, because there's just, um, it's too difficult to be out there on an island and and thinking you're going to do it yourself or that you need to you know, uh, figure it out yourself. Mm-hmm. It's so much better to um, appreciate and learn from people that have been there before and, and learn the mistakes so you don't have to learn them or at least you learn them on a, a lesser level. Um, so, yeah, surround yourself with great people and uh, um, it, it'll, it will, you know, you know, you're the sum of your five closest friends. Have friends that are um, have similar goals and, and uh, um, really pursue other people that have other business owners that have uh, gone before you. Hmm. That's great. I, I love that. What about you? You got into this a little bit uh, with mentioning having people around you and not being an island, but what are some tools or resources that have been particularly helpful for you, whether it's books or podcasts or something like Loco Think Tank, kind of out outside resources or tools that have really helped you to be as successful as you are. Yeah, I remember uh, reading The Seven Habits of a Highly Effective Person, and one of the uh, sayings that that rang true was to talk about the absent as if they're present. And, uh, Hmm. you know, it's easy to badmouth somebody or to, you know, to say something negative about, uh, you know, maybe a customer or a builder, but um, at least phrase it in a way that it's the way you'd say it in front of that person. Right. Uh, And that that, uh, has been a, a valuable skill for me that I've, I've really tried to embrace and um, you know it lets the person that you're talking with know that you're not going to say something negative when they're not there as well so um, that's been a, a, a characteristic that I've tried or I've worked hard to implement um, and, and need to go back to it and remind myself on occasion because um, it's not the easiest thing to do mm-hmm. um, in a stressful situation but um, yeah absorbing 
uh, you know, yeah, certainly books or books on tape. I don't, I don't read a lot, but I do listen to books on tape. Do you actually the tape is ta- old, Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, do you actually listen, listen to, to books, books on on, on your walk? I don't know. I download a lot of books. You still have your Walkman? Oh, yeah, have clips Walkman. onto your pocket. Of course, that doesn't everyone? <laughs> um, it's a tape Walkman, not a CD Walkman. Oh, uh, good. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate this has been great. I I think that um, I I love uh, I love stories that are consistent and stories that show that consistency matters and continuing to show up. uh, It just matters a lot and it pays off. And so I, I love that about your story and I appreciate you coming out and being willing to share it. And I look forward to hearing, uh, stories of other people that find encouragement from your story. Well, it's an an honor to be here. And when you called and asked me to do a podcast about a small business and I was kind of like well I, I don't know that I'm the right person but I appreciate you having me out today and absolutely um, yeah it's uh I'm excited to hear what uh, what else comes of it and, and yeah. to listen to the other uh, uh other business owners and entrepreneurs that you have on the uh, on the podcast yeah yeah and part part of our vision is there's a lot of podcasts out there lit- talking about you know what we can learn from these massive tech companies and, you know, the biggest companies in America and the fortune 500 companies. And when I started doing research, I realized that, um, yeah, I think it was, it was either 88 or 89% of businesses will never hit a million dollars in revenue. Um, and, and not that that means that ones that go over that and you guys have been blessed to be able to hit, hit over that mark for a while. But, um, I think that the principle that it showed me is most of the businesses in our around us are small businesses. And so I want to learn how your business has made it for 20 years. And I want to learn how, you know, Jim down the street at the cupboard, how, you know, how he bought his business from his dad and um, our friend Jen at the light center. Like, I want to hear those stories of these people that um, they're small businesses, they're growing and growing and growing and they're successful businesses but because um, the reality is I'm pr- probably a lot more likely to have what the government would consider a small business than to have 100,000 employees across the world. And so we hope that this podcast can kind of be small business owners learning lessons from the stories of other small business owners. And I think it'll be really special to see how it develops. So yeah, appreciate you. Great stuff. All right, that was a wonderful conversation with Moses Horner. This is the part of the episode where we bring in Kurt Bayer. If you haven't listened to episode two of this podcast, then please do that after you finish listening to this. That's where we dive more into Kurt's story and you hear more about Loco Think Tank. But today I wanted to bring Kurt in and he'll come in at the end of these episodes and initially identify what are some of the most practical takeaways that small business owners can can pull away from these conversations. And I think that Kurt is a good person for this because Kurt, five years ago, founded Loco Think Tank. And week in and week out, Kurt is working with small business owners, and he's created a network of peer advisory groups that are value-driven. And so he has had a multitude of conversations with small business owners about different challenges they're facing. And so he has always had a great vision for what business owners need and what information is really helpful for business owners to know. So Kurt, welcome to the show. I wanted to just take a few moments at the end here before our listeners go away and 
look at this conversation and what did you think of the conversation with Moses and what can we learn from that conversation? You know, I love the conversation with Moses and, and his story. Um, I have three takeaways from, from the conversation with Moses. I've got 10 takeaways really, but the three that I'm, right. I'm walking away with today, um, and I've said this for, for 15 years, every small business owner is limited by the size of the tribe that they can develop. And what I loved about his story and really the takeaway is he owned his part um, of that early on. When he was having a lot of turnover, you know, he said, hey, these people aren't turning over because they're dumb. They're turning over because I have to fix something about the way I'm managing them and the way I'm training them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, owning your part in the building of the tribe uh, is really a significant thing. And that's probably one of the most important things in a journey. Um, I loved the purpose conversation about how he was um, working for his kids' benefit. I, I love the part of his purpose conversation where he, you know, shared that he had been working for his kids. Right. And once his kids were out of the house, that he really had to reevaluate what his why should be and could be. Um, so I think that's an important thing that your why might change mm-hmm. in these small business journeys. It might be a 20 or 30 year journey. And so just having your finger on the pulse of why are we doing this and make sure your employees know too. And then um, thirdly, I think his humility really shined through in the whole conversation. Um, he's reliable. He's a person that his employees uh, feel has integrity. He pushes right. that out through the whole organization. And so um, I think that epitomizes kind of the, the servant leadership that people want to be a part of. And so if you're working for others' success, um, that's going to be a great way to build a tribe. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that any business owner can learn from those lessons. And I think especially early on being willing to own your part and really own the mistakes. I know uh, there were some things that happened in the first few years of my business that weren't really my fault, but I realized I still had to take ownership of them and learn from them. And I think Moses is a great example of that. And you said it very well with evaluate and be willing to reevaluate what the why is behind your business. And uh, again, Moses probably wouldn't say this. Uh, He'd probably be hesitant to say this about himself, but I think you all could sense his humility. I mean, he's built a very well-respected business in our community, and he's not going to go shout it from the rooftops. He's just been faithful and consistent for years and years and years. And so I hope that this conversation can be encouraging to the business owners out there that are listening to this. Any last words regarding this conversation, Kurt? You know, I don't think so, Seth. I think I just going to encourage you while we're here to keep having these conversations because everyone is is gold and you're going to get some good nuggets out and really allow this small business community around here to tell their stories. So, yeah, Godspeed. Friends, thank you so much for listening today. It means the world to us. If you enjoyed this story in this episode, the absolute best way for you to say thank you is to share this with someone you know that needs to hear this story and to leave us a review on iTunes. This podcast getting reviews will show the powers that be that they should put this in front of more people just like you. Also, how many of you like free money? I know I do. If you leave a review, take a screenshot of that review and send it to me on Instagram at Seth Silvers. Each month, I'll be sending one lucky reviewer a free Amazon gift card. No strings attached. So if you like stories, if you like free money, please leave us a review on iTunes and you might be the lucky winner. 
With that said, I will see you next week on the Small Business Storytellers. Have an amazing week.